Wow, we are here on Sunday morning, and uh, it is a beautiful day again. And that time of worship was just really sweet, wasn't it? Uh, I just want to, just by way of of thank you, I want to thank everyone here. I know you probably as a church will do this later, but I want to thank everyone who's just made this retreat possible. Uh, Think about, you know, Jay and his team that checked everyone in and took care of all the details, and if you had an issue with... uh, Tuck eats pine, you'd, pine so you'd have to go to Jay, right? That's the, that's the word. So, so taking that lead and the team that he had with him and all the musicians, um, fantastic. You know, great time of worship uh, for all of us, I think, this weekend and the various musicians and teams that led. And then, of course, uh, Taco and team back there with the AV. Um, just thanks for all that you guys have done. I've, I've never had anybody actually uh, take up a stand and a stool for me, so I feel pretty, pretty <laughs> special. Actually, you know, the funny thing is, in the, uh, in the African, African-American tradition, uh, African-American uh, Methodist Episcopal Church and some other churches, you know, their, their, their pastors are venerated, so, you know, they, they have handlers who come and take them up, and they bring their stuff, and, and so I kind of felt like I was, uh, I'm not going to preach like an African-American preacher this morning, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that, um, it would be disingenuous for me, but, but I am going to share the word, and uh, I just feel blessed to be part of you guys, and uh, be part of your your community. And before I jump into the word today, I, I just want to give you my observation. Um, you got something special with Crossway. You got something really special. You uh, have a group of people who love each other, uh, primarily because you love Jesus. And Jesus has bound you together. And you've had 10 years of God's faithfulness to you, of feeding you at his table and loving on you, and encouraging you, and, and you need to remember those blessings that he's given to you, because he's not done with you yet. He's not going to leave you, nor forsake you, and he's going to be with you, and, and uh, I'm excited for the next uh, 10 years to see what God has in store for your community of faith, uh, not simply as, as finding another space to worship, which I know you will in God's time, but also being the people of God scattered among people who need to hear about God and taste of His goodness. And so I'm, I'm just encouraging that. I think the future is incredibly bright for each and every one of you and for your community. So it's a privilege to be with you and to see that. And, uh, and the other thing I wanted to say is, is I just, uh, I'm really grateful for the way that you welcome one another to this retreat. And, uh, you know, I had a privilege to sit with Lisa and Brian this morning. And, uh, and little Evie, who is just a precious little girl. And I know you know that they were wondering whether or not to come up this weekend. But I'm so glad they did. And I'm so glad that they were able to come up. And that you guys just are a community that loves one another. And loves children. And, uh, and loves families. And so it's uh, just a real joy to be part of this community this weekend. Well, we're continuing on this morning with uh, Psalm 34, tasting and seeing the Lord is good. We've, we've looked at, at, at the fact that it begins with a blessing. We bless the Lord when He invites us to the table, even when we're not so excited about the fare before us. We've seen that when we come to God's table, we, we see an expanse of food before us, and, and how do we taste and see the goodness that God's given us, and we, we see it and we taste it and we act at the table as children of God, of the Father who has made us part of His family. 
But the reality of any family meal and any family specifically is that sometimes we want to run away from the family. Sometimes we don't want to sit at the table anymore because things are getting too intense. Things are too difficult for us. Maybe there's a conversation or a conflict that we have in the family that just is really bothering us. And I want to share a little bit of my story because um, I haven't really been so much uh, divulging my personal story this, this weekend. But I'm in a season where right now I am, I am like that person at the table who's ready just to push my chair away from the table and run out the door. Yeah, can you believe your pastor invited me to come speak this weekend? <laughs> what in the world was he thinking? And you know why? In 2010, the Lord called my wife Britta and me to come to Irvine, California. And we came to Irvine, California to this church, Irvine Presbyterian Church, with great anticipation and hope and and joy and excitement about what it would be like to be part of this community, to lead this community, to see our kids grow up in this community, to be part of the table of this community that as they partake in God's goodness. And, and we came with the expectation that we would be part of this community for a long time. That we would be at Irvine Presbyterian Church and part of its team and part of its mission, part of its growth, part of its life for our kids growing up years. And that didn't happen. We had denominational conflict. We had transitional organizational conflict. We had financial difficulties. And there came a day where we were faced with the fact that we were not going to be at Irvine Presbyterian Church much longer. We had moved into the neighborhood in Irvine, not far from the church. I could walk to the church in less than 10 minutes. The church was right next to, some of you know that area in Alton Parkway, some of you were maybe married in the church, or some of you knew people were married in the church, or some of you actually played bass in the church, so uh, with Walt Harris days. And my wife always figured that once our kids went to Woodbridge High School, that they were going to have a place right next door where their father had his office. And every Friday there was a pizza Friday for the high school kids where 400 kids came from the Woodbridge High School across to the campus and, and the church fed these students. It was called Jesus Pizza by the kids because it was there at a church. So my wife, and, and I too, but my wife had this impression that we're going to see our kids develop and grow up and go to high school there and dad's going to have his office there. This is going to be our faith community. And, and uh, we were living life with all these people and then all of a sudden that all fell apart. And then we're left with a sense that this is no longer our home. This is no longer our place. This is no longer our space. And I remember sitting with my kids and sharing with them that I was going to be resigning from Irvine Presbyterian Church. And the three different responses. My son wept. My daughter was sullen, my oldest. And my other one groused and complained and, and was angry. And my wife was just sad. And the first question I have in my mind is, God, you brought us here to Irvine, California for this? 
Eight years later, for this, to go through denominational crisis, to, to go through this leaving of our church home, a church family, the people that we, we walked with, we journeyed with. And so, that experience for me, it was enough to make me wonder, can I sit at the table of the Lord any longer? Can I be in this when I'm experiencing this difficulty? On top of that, my dad's diagnosed with prostate cancer, an aggressive form of prostate cancer. He has to go through treatment. My father-in-law has bladder cancer. He has to go through treatment. My mother-in-law has early on-stage Alzheimer's. And so every time Oma, which we call her in German, Oma comes to the home, she forgets everything. And our kids have no ability to interact with her because she, what they do, but she just doesn't remember anything. We took her one time to one of my son's basketball games, and, and we came home after the basketball game, and he had his jersey on, his uniform for basketball, and she looked at him and said, what, do you, do you play a sport? What, what is that jersey from? He has no idea, and so I see my wife, Britta, losing not only this church home in this place, but losing the ability to relate to her mother. To have a mother who's able to, to mentally and, and relationally connect with her like she used to. A grandmother who is no longer fully there for us and with us. And I ask myself, can I sit at the Lord's table? And then a few years ago, my, my son, we realized that he has some anxiety issues. And sometimes that anxiety issues turn, turn into misbehavior because he's anxious about something and he can't figure out how to emotionally control himself and respond to it in a mature way and so we've been dealing with that and I asked myself Lord I gave my life to serve you to come to your table to sit here as your child and 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 then these are the things that I have to experience in life I want to push my chair away from the table because if this is what we get And yet, last night I walked with Bryant down to the karaoke and I realized that one of the uh, blessings that was mentioned there was someone in your midst, a brother who had suffered from cancer and had been healed. Didn't realize it was Bryant. Because Bryant exudes this joy of the Lord, this sense of just love for God and His people. How do you sit at God's table when you go through those kind of things and not want to push yourself away from His table and, and ask about, as one of, one of the sisters I met this week and asked, is, is God really good? Is He really a good God? I mean, this is what we, we're talking about this weekend. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Is He a good God when we go through all these things, when we give ourselves to Him, when we come to His invitation to call, to come to supper and to sit at His table and then we experience this. When you as a church experience having to figure out where to go, being homeless, where will we worship, where will we meet, where will we hang our hats, 
Sometimes we want to push ourselves away from the table personally, corporately. Psalm 34, 19 through 22 says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. When I'm ready to push my chair away from the table and cry out and say, God, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I expected when you invited me to come be part of your family and your household and sit at your table. I'm reminded of this verse. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivers him out of them all. You know, I think sometimes in the Christian life, we, we've talked about this already this weekend, but we, we think somehow our lives are going to be devoid of pain and suffering and difficulty. And I remember when I was younger, I was pastoring in New Jersey, and I met a guy named Larry, became close to Larry. He had uh, lost a son to cancer when his son was 13 years of age. And I remember Larry, this is years since his son had passed away. I remember Larry, Larry saying to me, he, had, he remembers a time when he had cried out to God, saying, God, this is not the table that I signed up to be part of. And he was saying that, crying out, lamenting to God, wanting to curse God, and walking into the hospital. And he was getting on the elevator. And the Lord put Isaiah 43.2 on his heart. The Lord says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And Larry said at that moment, he realized that it's not if we walk through the waters, if we go through the flames, but it's when. It's when that the Lord God, the God of Israel, the God of you and me of Crossway will be with us He will not let us be drowned. He will not let us be consumed by the fires. He will not let us be overwhelmed. But when we sit at God's table, it's not a question of whether we will suffer or not. We will suffer. We will want to push our chair away from the table. But God will not let the righteous who are afflicted Go down. Crossway Church, fear not, for God has redeemed you. 
He has called you by name. You are His. When you pass through the waters, the Lord will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, Crossway Church, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For God says to you, Crossway Church, to me, Scott Bullock, to you individually, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When we want to push ourselves away from the table, we remember that He will deliver us from affliction. He goes on and he talks in verse 20 about he keeps all his bones. The righteous does not have one of their bones broken. When I first read that verse, right now, the emotion of telling my story hit me, but when I read that verse a while back, the emotion of, of that verse really hit me. Because that verse is appropriated by the New Testament. We read in John 19.36 of Jesus who suffers on the cross. He keeps all His bones. Not one of them is broken. A quote from Psalm 34, verse 20. And it hit me that that same very truth applied to Jesus and God's provision for Him and His protection of Him even in the cross and through death to resurrected life, that God has the same very protection for you and for me, that He will not let one of our bones be broken. He will not let us suffer to the point that we can no longer bear it. When we sit at the table and we experience affliction, we remember, and it's a great contrast in verse 19 and verse 21, we say, okay, listen, well, we shouldn't experience affliction because we're sitting at the table of the Lord. But we do. It says the righteous experience affliction, but the Lord delivers them. And in verse 21, it says the affliction will slay the wicked. So the reality is the righteous and the wicked both experience affliction. It's part of our human condition. It's just that in our affliction, as people who follow the Lord, the Father who invites us to the table, we experience His deliverance because in our brokenness, we completely rely on Him because we have no other place to rely. We don't push ourselves away from the table because we wonder, where will, where will we go? How will we be saved? And the Lord delivers us from that affliction. He brings us through that affliction. He makes us stronger through that affliction. But the wicked, He will slay through affliction. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Verse 22 says, The Lord redeems the life of His servants. None of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. This contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Those who choose to sit at God's table. Those who choose to reject God's table. Those who choose to, to stay there through thick and thin even when it gets difficult. And those who say, I have no interest in being at God's table. It's in moments like these when I have experienced this desire to push my chair away from the table that I've been reminded that the table is the only place that I will ever, ever find
relief and deliverance. Even though I'm in pain, even though I'm hurting, even though I question God. You know, friends, this is, the, this is the good thing about being at the table of God, is that when we're at the table of God, stick at the table when you're experiencing pain. And you can question God till you're blue in the face. But stay with Him. Question Him. Come to Him. Cry out to Him. Lament to Him. Like Psalm 22 that we talked about the first night when Jesus cries out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You think that God is too weak to handle you? To handle that cry? Absolutely not. If the very Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, cried out to God and said, Why have you forsaken me, God? Can we not do that? And can God not handle it? You know, families stick together. That's what we're told. Through thick and thin. Even in tough times. And when you run away from the conflict and the difficulty and the pain and the suffering that you're feeling within your family, at your family table, you're not solving anything. You're just running away. You're just avoiding the conflict. You're avoiding the opportunity to get through the conflict into a place of resolution and a place of healing and a place of wholeness. So in those desires that we have to want to push our chair away from the table of God, may we remember that if we do that and we run away, we're not really running to anything that's going to solve our problems. We're just simply running away. But when we stick at the table and we question God and we wrestle with God, just like Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, when we cry out like Job did in his situation, he never cursed God, but he cried out and he asked a lot of questions and he argued with friends who had some junky wisdom for him. It wasn't even wisdom. It was a whole prid quid pro quo understanding of God's relationship to humanity. You do this, God does that. I do this, God does that. It's not the God that we serve. We have a Father who loves us, who does everything for us to deliver us, to save us, to stay us, to complete us, to make us whole, to make us right. You know, the... uh, early church they used Psalm 34 when they came to the table and one of the reasons they used Psalm 34 when they came to the table is Psalm 34 8 which says taste and see that the Lord is good if you read that in the Greek it says taste and see that the Lord is krestos krestos means good in Koine Greek But it sounds an awful lot like Christos. Taste and see that the Lord is Christos. That the Lord is the Messiah, the Christ. The one who invites us to the table. Who invites us to come and to dine with Him. To come feed on Him. He's the broken God. The God who's humbled Himself. Who's taken on our affliction, our suffering who's borne our unrighteousness and sin, and who invites us to the Father's table to taste and see that the Lord is Christ.
I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said of the Psalms, he has a little, little book about the Psalms. He was a man who suffered himself greatly during the uh, reign of Nazi German, Nazism in Germany. And he writes in the Psalms and he says the only person that were, was able to pray all the Psalms fully and wholly was Jesus, the Son of God, who lived as fully God and fully man among us. In this Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, he bears our iniquities, but he's a man of sorrow and grief. He's a man who understands the long night of the soul. He's a man who understands what it means to be ridiculed and persecuted. A man who understands what it means to lose someone dear to him in his life. A man who understands our pain. A God who is able to bear our pain. And it's this Jesus who invites his disciples, you and me, to this table and says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. He gives his life as a ransom for many, for you and for me. And so when we're ready to push our chair away from the table, we have to remember that we have a brother, Jesus, the Son of God, who knows our pain, who knows our trials and tribulations. And he invites us to come and taste and see that the Lord is Christ. The Lord is indeed good. We're going to be coming to the uh, table in a few minutes. I'm going to instruct you on how to, we're going to do that today. But I want to circle back to what I first shared about my initial desire to push myself away from the table of God and, and run away. One of the things that a lot of pastors who have, have been part of churches for a while, and I actually have heard some of those stories from some of you here who are part of other churches in the, in the past, um, sometimes our tendency is then, you know, to want to push away and, and just check out. So there were a few months I took as a sabbatical time after I left Irvine Presbyterian Church. And uh, I went to Bedside Baptist a few times. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy Pastor Pillow. So uh, there were a few times that I, um, I enjoyed worshiping God out on the soccer field in the morning. Visited a few churches. You know, it's kind of like Goldilocks. You visit one, you're like, oh, man, it's just not, you know, that community. It's just not, it's not, because for me, it's not about the corporate worship experience. It's about the community. It's about being in community, about being connected with with followers of Jesus, and we just lost our connection in some way with the church in Irvine that we were part of. So we would go to places like Mariners, and, and it was like, ah, it's too hot. <laughs> we go to, you know, even, our, even the church plant that came out of IPC, and say, so that's too cold. And uh, then we go to another church, and yeah, again, that's not right. On Mother's Day this, uh, this year, um, former professor, friend of mine at Wheaton College who now teaches at APU. He's a, uh, one of the rectors at a church called Holy Trinity. It's an Anglican fellowship uh, in Costa Mesa. It meets on the Vanguard campus. And, and he and his wife, Treveca, uh, sent out an invitation to Britta and to me to, to come and join them in, in worship 
that Sunday morning on Mother's Day and then come over for dinner afterwards. And I also had another friend who actually happened to be at the, the church. He was a mentor of mine years ago, a guy named Bill Dightwig, used to be at Trinity, uh, which is a Presbyterian church in Santa Ana, and now he's he, in Tustin, and now he's at uh, Holy Trinity. And then another friend, a friend of mine, Jin Cho, who's also at Holy Trinity, and, and Jin reached out to me as well and said, hey, my wife Esther and I and, and our kids, whom my kids know, Max and Lucy, are going to be at Dennis and Trevecca's for dinner afterwards. We'd love to, you know, be able to connect with you. And, and so we decided we would go, and we actually... We went to Holy Trinity that summer, that, that uh, Sunday morning, May 11th, I think, or whatever it was, Mother's Day. And uh, some good family friends of ours who used to be at IPC that were now at another church in, in Orange, we, we invited them to come with us because they had always wanted to come to Holy Trinity and check it out, the whole Anglican church experience. And so we went. Um, a guy named Todd Hunter is the, is the, the lead um, rector, and he preached that morning, and when I got into this space, I, I felt like, wow, I'm home. I feel, I feel I'm, I feel right being here. Um, but we went through the, the kind of the ministry of the word, and then we came to the, the Eucharist liturgy. And it wasn't until we came to the Eucharist liturgy that, that it really hit home for me that I'm, I'm to stay at God's table. And God has not forsaken me or abandoned me. I, I can't even explain to you what, I mean, it's a Holy Spirit moment, but my, my former professor friend was, was leading, officiating the liturgy, the Eucharist liturgy. And he was, he was the one serving the, the cup. And then, my, oddly enough, my friend Bill Deitwig, who had been a mentor to me, was the one that was, was uh, serving the bread. And when I went up, just looking at Dennis's face and looking at Bill's face, I just wept. I just wept to be served by these two men who had been instrumental in my life, who had helped shape my faith and encouraged me as a, as a young pastor, a young student, who loved Jesus, who loved the Father, who sit at his table and have experienced their own pain and grief in their own lives. And when they served me, I lost that desire to push my chair away from the table. The pain wasn't gone. You know, the hurt, the questions for God, still there. But this is the place I want to be. This is the only place I want to be. I don't know where else I could be but at the table of the Lord. And friends, you and I have all been invited to that table to taste and see Christ's goodness, God's goodness. And so this morning, we're going to come to His table. I want to just uh, invite you right now just to quiet your hearts and your minds and and just close your eyes. I'm going to say a prayer to close this, and then we're going to move into a time of, of coming to God's table. Heavenly Father, you invite us to come and taste and see that you are good. Some of us are hesitant. Some of us wonder if we can stomach what's there at the table. So we resist or or we run away. But then you get us to come down and we sit at your table and 
and we see this spread before us, and there's some really good things. And there's some things that we're not so excited about. We learn from you. We, we sit as children at your feet. We learn from the other children at your table. On our best moments, we take the goodness and the provision you've given to us and we bring it out to those who are not at the table and we invite them to the table. But then something happens. Some incredible pain or experience in our lives, Lord, that, that make us wonder why we even came in the first place to sit at your table and we want to push our chair away from that table as fast as we can. We want to get out because we're just wondering about your goodness. And then we're reminded with our brothers and sisters around us who also experience pain and encourage us and reminded of Christ who sits as our brother at the table with us. That he knows our pain, he knows our affliction, he knows our suffering, he has come to deliver us from that, to redeem us, to restore us. And that keeps us at the table. We pray, Lord God, as we come to this time of dining at your table, Lord, that we might be knit together by your Spirit with you, your Son, and our Father. We might experience your forgiveness and your redemption and your deliverance. And the unity that this table means and brings. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to, in a few moments, partake of communion in our, in our small groups. And so I want to just give you instructions and then I'll go through the words of institution. But we're going to get in our small groups. Right now we have, we have 11 pieces of bread. We have 11 cups. Thanks to Jessica. Thank you for putting all these things together. And so we have 13 groups. So we're going to have have 11 groups that partake in communion first, and then once you're finished, first group finished, perhaps pass on to one of the other, the 12th and the 13th groups. So just keep your, your eyes out for them. So if you're finished with communion, look to see if one of the other groups is still waiting for bread and cup. But what I'm going to ask is, once I've done the words of institution, I'm going to ask that each of the moderators of the small group, after you get your circle where you're going to sit, the four of you or five of you, whatever there is in the group, if the moderator would come forward and take the cup and the bread, take it back to your small group. And we really want to make this uh, just an intimate time, just like we've had an intimate time together of fellowship at God's table in our small groups these last few, few days, last two days. And I'm going to ask that the moderator would would initiate the serving of the communion. We'll serve by intinction. It sounds like that's what you typically do, but in a different way in our small group, just the four of us. And so the moderator will say to the person next to him, this is the body of Christ broken for you, and then bring the cup to them and say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And that person will take the cup, the bread and intinction in the cup. And then that person will take the bread and the cup and do the same for the next person. And then for the next person, so that the moderator who has initiated and given and served the bread and the cup will be the last one to receive the bread and the cup. 
And then I would ask that you just after that, you would, you would pray together, moderator close with a, just a prayer of blessing that we would, we would be revived in our spirits by this nourishment of God's bo- Christ's body and blood shed for us. And then, and then you can go into a, a time of, uh, I think it's a short time, but a time of looking at the questions that we have for today. This uh, table before us is actually a table of, of unity. It's a table where Jesus says, Come to all those whom He's called from east and west and north and south. Come and sit at the table prepared for you. Come feast on Me. Come experience new life, healing, forgiveness. And this is a table where all who would put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ on His goodness, who would taste of His goodness and see His goodness, are invited to come. People who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. People who are afflicted. This is for you. This is for me. It's a place of unity. Because when we come to this table, we sit with people from all walks of life. Sinners just like us. Their sin may be different. It may be stranger than ours to us. But it's not stranger than ours to God. It's the same. It's the very same. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none that is righteous. Not one. And so this is God's offer through His Son Jesus whom He gives on our behalf to atone for our sins. We read in Scripture that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it. And He said, this is My body, broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of Me. And then we read in the Scripture that after the supper, He took the cup and He said, This is the new covenant in my blood. As long as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim my death, my resurrection, my life, until I come again. Friends, there's nothing magical about this. But there is something spiritual about this. That when we take this bread and cup, the Holy Spirit revives our souls, reminds us of our forgiveness, reminds us of our place at the table, reminds us of God's immense love for us in Jesus Christ. So with that spirit of repentance, of longing, of need, of desire to sit here at the table with Jesus, the afflicted one, who comes for our sake, let us come to the table and let us take of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Amen.